0: Hi, my name is Mark and welcome to The Active Listener, where we aim to listen, not just hear. We firmly believe that everyone has an interesting story to tell, if given the space to do so. So listening to what our guests have to say, you may learn something. So today I've got four special guests who are going to be exploring the idea of location and the way that we see the world. So I'm just going to pass you around each of you to, to say hello.
1: Hi, so my name is Agnes. I was born in France and I lived there until my mid-20s. And um, throughout my childhood, I've lived in different places within France, uh, moving every sort of three or four years. And then I moved to the UK in my mid-20s and I've been uh, living there for years now. And um, so I've, uh, I've lived uh, the first 10 years of my life in the UK, I've lived at 10 different uh, postal addresses, so that gives you an idea of of also the the moving that I've been um, doing, but um, but in the last few years um, I've uh, I've settled down a little bit uh, and starting to grow some roots, and I also acquired a British
2: nationality, which uh, uh, we might talk about a bit later. So that's me. Hi, I'm Tasha. I was born and brought up in London. I left when I was 18 with a vow never to return to live there again. And since then have lived in various countries around the world. I think Cambridge ended up being my sixth city, if you can call it a city. Like Agnes, I think I'm on something like my 14th address in my life. So, um, yeah, I've moved around a fair amount and I've now moved to a village. Hello. Um,
3: so my name is Laudina. Um, I was born and raised in Ghana. I lived in Ghana basically all my adult life until I came to the UK somewhere in 2013 to come and do my Master of Philosophy degree in education. And then I went back uh, to Ghana for, I think, about two years. And then I got married and then I came back to the UK because my husband got a PhD scholarship. And we've been here since I have a daughter now. Yeah. That's basically it. So I think, uh, well, so I've just lived in Ghana. And and in Ghana, I lived in Accra, only in Accra, uh, the capital. Three districts within the capital. But in the UK, I've just lived in Cambridge.
4: Hi, I'm John. I was born in Essex, near Southend. And then when my sister was due to be born, my family moved to Cambridgeshire, Huntingdonshire specifically. And then I went to uni for a bit in Norwich. When I finally moved out, I still carried on in Cambridgeshire, they're a slightly different town. So all in all, I've lived in four houses since I was born. And my son and daughter were born in the same hospital as my sister. So... And she's only a little bit younger than me. And obviously, I'm not very old. So there we go.
0: So we have two people born in the UK, both sort of city and from country. And we have two people from outside of the UK who are now living here. So a little bit of difference in terms of backgrounds. So first question is, and I think it'd be good really just to get each of you input on this and we see how the conversation flows so how have you found moving perhaps from one location to another has it impacted the way that you see things in any way
3: yeah but surely um it that you definitely notice a difference um because where you were living how things were how people uh, related with you and how people relate with each other so for instance when I was growing up I lived mainly with my grandmom because my mom was quite busy and she lived in a crab, but in a portal town called Tema. Because it was a port or a port city, it attracted people from all over the world um, and different classes and all those, all those kind of things. So um, I feel it was like a, a mix of people. And so you met different people and you related with different people and all that. Then... Before I went to secondary education, my mom built her own house and then we moved to a different area of the capital. And then um, that area, uh, it was like, should I say, a developing community. So it had newly built homes and houses that... Ghanians living in abroad had put up most of the houses were empty so it was very boring like I used to stare through the window like you would not even see any human being walking about and then obviously we came to Cambridge. Cambridge is like a a bustling student community and all that but the first time I visited London I felt like oh it's too crowded. I don't want I don't want this place. I told my husband I don't want to live here in London ever ever because it's too crowded. So definitely there's always difference and you notice it right away.
0: So Tash, you mentioned that you made a vow to get out of London. <laughs> what was that? And and how has that affected the way you see and do things?
2: So the first city I lived in outside London was Bristol, because um, I went to uni there. And I think the culture there is a is quite different, even though it's a southern area, and there is a sort of north-south divide in the country. I think the culture is so different, and not as busy or antisocial, or yeah, generally unfriendly as London is. Mm. If you're from London, it's okay. That sounds really strange because your friends are there. You kind of know how to behave there, and you're used to it used to being a bit standoffish as a person which sounds terrible I never realized I was like that until I visited with my university boyfriend he sort of went oh you have the London scowl on what London scowl like you have this face that you put on only in London which pretty much says get out of my way don't talk to me I'm in a rush not interested in your life Um, and it's like I didn't know yeah. that was that hard, <laughs> clearly. It's like, you don't have this when, when, when you're not in London. That's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. But you do tend to understand why people don't talk to each other on the bus or on the tube, unless you're on the fun bus after partying all night. That's the only time you ever talk to anybody, but everyone's having far too much fun. But yeah, it's just not a place to make friends that easily, I think. it's It's difficult. It's a hard place to live. I wouldn't want to live there without having been a Londoner. that makes any sense. But there are so many better places to live.
0: I'd rather be able to commute and be able to leave. It sounds like, uh, aside from any cultural differences from being from another nation, there is that kind of difference between London as a city Mm. and maybe other places as towns or villages. What about you, uh, Agnes? Because you've travelled around the UK as well.
1: Yes, I have. The move between France and the UK didn't feel... That difference from the various moves that I had done through France, I don't think, when I was growing up. So we we always moved at the time that was coming when I was moving school as well. So it kind of created... A bit of a phasing in my life and also the the scale of the places I've lived in evolved with me. My early years were in um, a tiny village in the countryside then we moved for my primary years into sort of country town. Then my high school I was in sort of a, a bigish city um, in France and then I did my uni in Paris so it kind of scaled up with me and and gave me uh, more opportunities to go out and discover but but with safety and then i when I'm moved to the UK it was another phase of my life and and in the first year my idea was just I'm just doing a sort of a a gap year although we don't call it that way in France and then I'd go back and and settle down so maybe the the difference came a, a little bit more with the idea no I'm gonna stay and I'm staying for the culture for my work life so I almost had jumped country before I, you know, started the new phase of my of my life, which would be sort of like work as opposed to being a, a, a very old student. And um, and so that's when I, I decided it a bit more for myself, but it was still kind of an evolution that didn't feel like a shock culturally. There were differences, but I was still in control of that. And then I I really quickly moved in lots of different places and it was dictated by work. I didn't live in London. I had lived in Paris, which has that same sort of up itself Mm -hmm. (laughs) mentality that you get. Uh, for the uh, the biggest city i I suppose for each of these countries for me, it was always that I could find a place that was in my dimension, and I suppose the cultures of the u k and France are very different, but I was seeing more of the similarities and the differences and and you know we're we're neighbors really so so I didn't feel out of place and i felt very much like i was i had agency i was making decisions to for myself to go from one place to another so the place wasn't a big deal because it was it was about what i was doing
0: you were saying there that there's sort of a comfort in moving us like you didn't notice too much difference or you were focusing on the similarities so it'd be good to i think unpack that in terms of like sense of belonging and so on Before we do how have you found it, John, having grown up largely in the same kind of area in the uh, countryside? Have you noticed anything?
4: Yes, yeah, so I I was just thinking on, on the weekend I popped out to have some breakfast with some friends and I'd known four of them since we were four. There were six, so I was seven, two of them since I think there we were seven. And we all still live around the same area. You know, some of our friends obviously moved away, but we still have that close link. And it's the same as in, you know, I take my son or more my son because we go out walking you know we'll say hello to people and then we begin to like know them a little bit if I go back to my my hometown again you know I go into a pub there's people I know there's people that I've seen get old you know you think I remember you when you were you know 30 and now I'm the old man sort of thing I'm older than 30. Just thinking about you know what what you're saying when I was you know, young, there wasn't too many people that I would say is different when, when I was at school up until kind of sixth form. You know, it was very much white, British all around. And my only really time of uh, this is when I was young, before kind of university and probably 16 upwards, really. The only time I, I really saw anyone massively different was when I used to go watch football. So I used to go to watch West Ham play in in Newham. And that's when, you know, walking the streets of Newham, my dad, we used to park the car and, and walk around. That's when I noticed that there were a lot of people that were very, very different to me and, and living in a different way. And that was, yeah, that, that was a big eye opener when, when I was younger. It was just things were know completely different uh, you know my small town and, and everything I knew even if I went to London with my dad uh, he used to work in London we used to go to his offices you know we, we saw a, a different side of London it was all on the tubes you know that, you know it was into offices type thing but I didn't see real people they was all commuters and whatnot so yeah it was it was traveling to football from yeah it must have been about 10 years old onwards that's when I, I realized that there was something there was a, something bigger and different from my little town really.
0: What is the connection between, say, your sense of belonging and where you come from and where you actually live? What What are your feelings about that? I have to
2: say, I think it's because I've moved so many times. I've probably found it very difficult to call anywhere home. So I don't call London home because my parents have moved and I've never lived in that house that they live in now. So that's not home. And as I said, I've moved so many times that nowhere's actually felt permanent, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And that's quite difficult. And it's only been recently since we've moved to a village where the culture is not necessarily feeling like home, but the actual place itself, like the building and the people around me make it feel like home. So I think that's that's what. Home's about, for me, and not about the place. Because Mm. I've found, since I moved to Cambridge in 2014, so it's been a while, long enough for somewhere to feel like home. It's taken a long time for it to feel kind of like home, but still not. What do you think that is? So, for example, in the village that we're in, don't really know anyone. We're the really odd city folk that actually go out to work. And the demographic of the village is very old generally or people with some young children definitely everybody with a dog and we really don't have a dog so that's something that we probably need to invest in now that we've got a child so you either have to have a child or a dog to fit in so we've got the child so now we'll probably get a dog but it's also quite religious and that's fine you know religion builds communities and we're not of the religion of the village and that's fine, but it does make it very difficult not to feel that you don't belong. So, Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely one of the only ethnic minorities in our village and now our daughter is half of that. So with there's one and a half ethnic minority groups <laughs> in the village.
3: Yeah, I think to add to that, it's about the family that you, you build. It's not really where you live. So if... Like for me, when I had to move from Ghana away from my family, my friends, and then come with my husband to come and stay here, it it was daunting because then I, I had out the back of my mind that my only family is my husband. And wherever we live, that's where we will, that kind of catchment area is where we will call home. So like to me, I only look at it as in the family and the friends that you have in that area and it's not that place necessarily so obviously you wouldn't want to live in a place where your life is in danger or people are hostile or whatever but either way Whatever it is, wherever you are, if you are in a place where you have family, you have friends, perhaps ones that you you found uh, that you had already in your life or ones that you initiated the connection with and it's just going on well, that makes that family, that makes you to be convinced that you can actually call that place home. So yeah, that's how I see it. Now I can call Cambridge home because I have not just my husband but I've also been able to make friends so and not just friends who are let's say my uh, my uh, my color or but I've made friends outside that character physical characteristic and maybe social characteristics so it's taken some time so I'm gradually seeing Cambridge as home so yeah that's how I see it.
1: I think it's quite interesting for me that the answers both refer to home and what I reflected as Tash and Lordina were mentioning it is that in French we don't have that word in that same way and I wonder whether that's also influenced my views on it so in French you've got the equivalent of at home would be at the house even though you might live in a flat or whatever And then or you can say at mine or at ours, but we don't have the word home, which is different from house. And for me, when I've been in the UK, people say, where is home? It's like it's like what's my current address, but also because it's always been like that, even throughout my upbringing in in France, and we're constantly moving, it would be the weirdest thing for me to go to a school reunion from from way back, or any uni reunion even, it would be very odd to me of seeing people from from that time. And it's that that opportunity, which may be a a curse uh, as much as a blessing, I see it more as a blessing of, of sort of like turning the page and kind of moving on so so for me the the sense, sense of belonging has always been very much in the present almost it's kind of like where is my current mm-hmm. home address my home address my postal address you know almost functional have I got four walls and a roof around me it's that the building side of things not even the family the connections the the, the things all these lovely concepts that that are brought under that that one word of of home. I, I like it very much, but almost because I didn't have that that word or an equivalent in in my life until you know until I really developed the second language. I don't miss it because I haven't had that sort of way of of looking at it. So I don't know if that if that helps. But in terms of of belonging and and the, the the cultures, I'm at a stage now where I I start finding it a little bit odd where. I I would still consider me as French but French of the past French like a frenchism that stopped in the uh, in the earlier mid 2000s so that the today's France I I don't know it at all I'm a british of of the recent decades as well I you know when people talk about old tv shows and stuff I'm like pff, completely lost in translation so that belonging is very strong on those decades on on each respective countries but that that makes me a bit of a Maybe a disjointed um, person, but I I don't mind in in some ways. I still feel I've got some strong belongings. It does take sometimes a bit of explaining in in conversations. It's fun.
2: It might be a bit of a cultural thing. My dad's originally from Bangladesh, mum's Afghan, and they moved here when they'd finished their degree. So they've lived here for about 40 odd years and they still describe home as back home that's back home and this isn't home even though they haven't you know they haven't lived there for so long it's it's interesting.
4: Home for me is is definitely I'd say Cambridgeshire although not specifically say my hometown so home is where my mum and dad live they still live there but you know I moved to a different town only about five miles away but I could move to another town in the area and I'd still think you know I'm near home but it's something that Laudina said actually which made me think so a long, long time ago, I uh, I was going out with a Polish girl and um, used to go out to Poland a fair amount. And then I was like, well, you know, because of family, because of friends out there, then I began to think, actually, you know, this is kind of like a second home. At the time, you know, again, I was thinking, because ah, I, I didn't really think like that, you know, it was always going to be Cambridgeshire, my little place was, was home. So yeah, that, that, that challenged me uh, and made me start thinking that it is more than where I was born or where I grew up, really. But saying that, I would still say home for me is, is Huntingdonshire, Cambridgeshire. And, you know, I, I I have no intention of leaving anytime soon.
0: In regards to your location, where you are now, or even you can reflect back to other places each of you have lived, can you see a connection with living in a place and it affecting the way you see things, perhaps your behaviour—is there any connection there at all? Uh,
1: resounding yes from me, and and also um, moving place might give you an opportunity to, to look differently at, at where you were. And and I know it sounds a bit cliche when uh, people who have moved away from their uh, childhood places. Oh, and everything is so small, or because we we we've grown up and and changed dimensions. But for me, there's always an anecdote when I. I started living in the UK, and I would go back to France for some holidays. And I I went back, maybe after a couple of years of living in the UK for Christmas. So in France, near near Paris, visiting my dad and and doing some last minute Christmas shopping. Or, or it might have been after Christmas, and I was in a in a queue in a in a in a shop, and then I got very irritated with. "Quote unquote, the French." <laughs> now I was no longer quite belonging to some of it, and how? Um, so I'm going to go cliche cliche again. So th- there was almost a little theatre of life that was going on in, the, in front of me uh, between a customer and the uh, the shop assistant, and the customer was. Effing uh, and puffing and tutting and tapping her foot and visibly showing stuff, and then the shop assistant was very much by the book, and there was a process that was striking to me at that time. Oh my goodness, is so fresh and French. Can can somebody just say, just relax, go with it. Nobody dies. You kind of move on, keep calm and carry on. The kind of post, and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm I'm becoming British. It's sort of yeah. Um, as as you kind of adopt uh, a slightly different way of living and and by then it was only two years so i think i was still very very french in most of my ways and very proud to be french in a in a foreign country and so on your normality is shifting and you become either more accepting of certain things or more questioning of other things and, and so that was at the scale of of a country but also um in my different moves just within the uk the the different cities i've i've lived in or different environments my expectations do almost recalibrate um every time so I don't know, what. Um, what's your experience, guys?
3: I was just adding to what Agnes said. When I think about it, and, and, and it's a funny example to me, like in Ghana, how sometimes people so relaxed, you know, um, in terms of time and all that. Like you tell someone that, oh, we're going to meet here at two o'clock and then the person will probably stroll in like, quarter past or something like that and then you probably ask a hey, why are you so late or something and the person will say why is the world cup <laughs> it's not world cup it's it's not the end of the world relax you know and the person said the most important thing is that i'm here and probably a person will, will give you the courtesy and explain all oh, this and this you know traffic and and all that you know give you an explanation and when i came here I realized that it was quite different when you say to, I had to get used to that, like, because <laughs> when you say, it's like, two o'clock is bang on two o'clock if you're, and I think I got a first awakening when I had to take my daughter to an a uh, hospital appointment or something like that, and we got there, I think we were just five minutes late, and they said, no, sorry, the doctor's going to see someone else, I'm like, oh but we're just five minutes late it's different so and now when I go back to Ghana now I'm expecting that you know when I, I tell my friends we, we have to meet at this time and they're not there I'm like why aren't you here you know so yeah um it does it definitely has an effect on you when you try to kind of conform previously you might question it and now it it's like it's normalized to you so yeah
0: uh, Agnes and Nordina, how much of that is that you found you're naturally doing that rather than I must assimilate, I must behave this way?
1: I think for me, it's quite seamless. Um, Again, maybe because initially, my impression was that the culture between the UK and France weren't that different. And especially, um, we were still at the time in both in European Union and stuff I won't mention Brexit too much so it felt like it was it was a wider community and and as much as there were differences between the north and south of France there were differences between um you know the south of England and and the north of France where I tended to live and so you know gradually it was like oh yeah well you know it's a continuum of people so I didn't feel that I had to make a particular effort to assimilate and I used my difference because it was I I didn't see it as much difference and it's it's kind of a in in most places it was a non-threatening difference of of this young French girl you know again it's a, a bit of a you can play with the the stereotypes um so um so I didn't feel that um that I, I had to force myself into the, the British ways. And, and after a year, part of me w- chose to embrace that that culture and especially the work culture and sort of say, I don't want to work in France because they are horrible. I want to work in the UK because there are opportunities and regardless of, of your background to a degree, you know, and, and again, I'm talking from a, a fairly privileged background for sure, and so it was like, yeah, you can, you can try what you want regardless of that you'll you'll be able to to find job opportunities and it, it what will matter is actually what you do with that opportunity rather than who you know um, your family your university and so on I I was sort of um, embracing that the the Britishness sort of steeped in me and then it was when I was going back to France that I was like the French are indeed just horrible <laughs> so um, but you can't kick it out of you either, and I wouldn't I'm still I'm still very proud of what it is shaping me into as an individual and it's still a strong part of my identity and I try to impart that a little bit with my children now, but you kind of get to a point where this identity and especially not not necessarily going back to France very often, uh, even more so with the the pandemic now, it sort of fades a bit more in the background and uh, and so the now feels, more important and you you kind of adapt also my my um husband is is british so you know at home we speak english and 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 so on so I, I guess over time maybe the the balance will shift and in a few years i'll describe me as a british person with a french background as opposed to say a french person with a british passport as well so yeah well, I think
3: for me I still have to be conscious um because like in Ghana like the culture especially when you're relating to someone who is older than you and all that you cannot just for instance if I, I will be able to call my colleagues here in the UK, I'll just call them, even though they're older than me or they've achieved more than I I have, I'll still be able to call them by their first name. It doesn't mean that you don't respect them or something, but, but in Ghana, that's the first sign of respect. If someone is older than you or has achieved more than you, you cannot not just call the person by their name, just their first name. You have to, if they have any title, you have to call them by that title and all that it's uh, more informal at home but still so you probably be able to call your mom mom obviously but you cannot talk to them with a certain tone or or, or use certain language you know like you've got to be super super cautious or aware when you of uh, of whoever is before you that you're talking to whereas I find that it's a bit relaxed here like um so I think that even has an impact on um, even young Ghanaians and how they can be critical about things, you you know, question things, because that culture of questioning, we are not encouraged to do that in Ghana. It's changing gradually. I see that the youth that are coming up are changing because obviously we're in a global world, they're getting exposed to several things and all that, so yeah but like in Ghana you can't if an adult were to tell you that this you can't just question the adults of, on what basis are you making this decision or something because that will be seen as a clear sign of disrespect so if you have any questions you just keep quiet about it um I think it's changing so yeah um I don't think I've I've gotten to that point where um obviously when I'm in the UK I'll um uh, so it doesn't, I would say it's normalised, because um, when I go to Ghana, I'll behave how I'm supposed to behave in Ghana. And when I'm here, I'll behave how I'm supposed to be. So yeah, that those uh, two cultures are still influencing me. Um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's concurrent. <laughs> which, which do you prefer? I think they all have pros and cons. In Ghana, where an adult is, uh, you can't probably question too much what the, the advice that the advisor an adults will give to you. Sometimes, obviously, um, the advice will be not like it's it's not be, it's not bad because it's bad in itself, but it's probably bad because that's not how things are working in today's world so in that case it becomes inadequate the advice and so you will probably if you were to receive that advice you'll probably gently or respectfully explain to the adult that this is how things are working now or something like that whereas here you have that room to be able to question things to be able to and uh, and i don't think i have a preference in terms of that I, i think Where I'm probably liking what is here in the UK is the sense that you get to develop confidence as well because, like you're, you're not just expected to like you receive information you just accept it just like that, you know, and so you have to and for you to question something then you should be able to have more knowledge about it. So now you get the opportunity to develop your knowledge and then your confidence as well. Whereas in Ghana, because of that culture, if you Let's say you get too used to that culture, then you don't question things, and if you don't question things, then that means you probably t- just take it as it is, and you not have any need to go and you know find out more, and and so that means your knowledge and. And, and for that matter your uh, growth in that area might just be dependent on what someone is telling you which will be in this case maybe your parents or maybe your uh maybe another adult uh, adult in your life or something like that but I think it's it's gradually changing so I don't think I've got uh, to a point where I have a sharp preference for either um I, I'm just where it's advantageous, I just accept it and I benefit from it.
4: <laughs> I just have grown up where, where I'm from. I think there was always an underlying belief that everything was that we did was correct, i.e. it's these famous kind of British values as well, you know, fairness, you know, common decency, all that sort of stuff, you know, which I think is... Maybe, you know, the saying hello to people out on the street, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I think there was always a confidence about where where we lived in terms of, you know, we are in a nice place. We were welcoming, at least outwardly. That's, you know, all I can say. I don't know what, what people were like behind closed doors. But I'd also say that the question I did as a student of history, East Anglia is, is kind of a, a you know, hotbed of rebellion over the years in terms of, you know, the Iceni, the Civil War. That sort of thing. So there's a certain respect for authority, but an idea that we do there's a suspicion of it as well. I would say as locals, we're you know we'll grumble, we'll complain. It takes a lot to push us one way or the other. But generally, we're we're a compliant a compliant bunch. But push push us too far, and then then off we go. In terms of like values, I, I think. I've always believed that the values that have come from my town and my area are, are decent ones and are welcoming. And I've, I've never seen anything in my experience really to challenge that, which I've always found refreshing.
0: And, and Tash, from your perspective, you're saying that your father is from Bangladesh, your, your mother is from Afghanistan. You grew up in this country, you're born in Britain. So you've got three different influences in terms of culture. How does that form you as an individual?
2: That's a good question. Oh, you're full of them, Mark. I think it's been really good having parents that are not originally from here, if that makes sense. I think it has enriched because it's meant that I've got more linguistic skills because I, I was bilingual before I went to school. Even now I can speak the languages, but not always realise that I'm speaking them. It sounds really, really strange, which my other half picks up onto the floor goes, I don't know what you're saying. And it's like, oh, it's because I'm talking to my dad and don't realise that I'm not talking in English all the time. But that that's fine. That's no problem. I think it's meant that I've had opportunities to also experience other cultures that, at first hand, I was able to, I was taken abroad to home their home since the age of naught so I went to various places in Asia from the age of naught all the way through to 20 went away every other year and it was just full of family and it it's a bit strange because I didn't I don't really have a lot of family here my family is very much a global scattering of family really everyone in our family travels a lot so it just meant that I, got, I was just really privileged really just thinking back I didn't think that at the time I just thought oh no more family that I don't really know but now thinking back like I got to see a lot I got to experience a lot from a very early age that I thought that was normal and that possibly I would hope has meant that I'm I'm open-minded really as part of that experience I might have been open-minded anyway from living in London I lived in a very multicultural area I'd don't think I ever really experienced racism from any kind of memory, and it's not that I've blocked any, any bad experiences out, but I, I went to a very multicultural school. I lived in a very multicultural area and actually probably experienced feelings of being a minority as soon as I moved out of London, more so than living in London. But in terms of sort of parental influences massive absolutely massive but in in a good way in a really really positive way but they probably used a lot of their background to influence the way they parented as well which is quite different i think to maybe parents from here would have done and they were muslim so we never never really celebrated christmas until I was older and did it at friends' houses, but we never had a Christmas tree. We never did that. It was just another day off school with some TV. That was it, really. Didn't miss it. It's quite interesting, but they didn't just mix with their community either. I think it's really positive. So for me at at the moment, I'm I'm
1: at the stage where the French is me is fading out, but um, I have two young children and i find it difficult to speak to them in french because as soon as they reply in english and that's becoming their default language because of nursery or school and so on my brain just kind of goes back to english and i find it really hard to 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 push it through and then there's the whole question of oh yeah but all the all the culture and the events and things like that but because I wouldn't necessarily tend to do them myself. It feels strange to sort of force it upon them. So your example of Christmas, it's kind of like, yeah, but if, you're, if your parents being Muslim wanted to teach you about Christmas, or, you know, it feels a bit like, what? <laughs> when James, my son, goes to a little French school on Saturday, because I thought, we'll, we'll do a bit of French for him. Uh, and they talk about la Galette des Rois after Christmas, so the, the King's Day cake and things like that. It, it almost fills me with a bit of guilt. I'm like, I'm not French enough. I'm not rising up to the standard. And I know when you're a parent, you're you're sort of forever into some level of guilt trip. But so the question is is very much, how do you go about it? And, and does it have to be a conscious thing? Like, I feel I have to be
2: with French or do you just go with the flow? I'd say I feel a bit guilty because I don't speak in any other language than English with my daughter. And... I probably should, because in theory she could be bilingual too. And I don't push it and I don't really do anything massively religious. We get a tree and mainly because I really like decorating Christmas tree with far too many lights and like collecting baubles. I'm that sad. But it's not that we go to church. My other half has had no religious upbringing either. His parents were hippies, so they believe in nothing. Nobody believes in anything in our household. And it's quite interesting because we end up with three sets of presents, which is great and always seen as a positive because there are two Eids and then there's always obviously Christmas. So that's great. So we benefit from both, but mainly about present giving <laughs> as opposed to it being about culture. And it should be much more about culture. But I feel the guilt as well of not passing anything on. From my, I suppose, cultural heritage, if that makes
3: sense. Rich and I, we have that guilt all the time because like, well, Rich and I, we speak two uh, different languages because we're from different tribes in Ghana. We have a common language that we speak and our daughter doesn't know that language. (laughs) <laughs> and so sometimes when we want to discuss something that we don't want her to hear or we don't want her to be. So now I feel guilty because like we're excluding her with the language, which is not good because Rich and I were now trying to. Teach her to speak the language. And it's so difficult because I feel like if we were to go on a vacation to visit Ghana or something like that, she'll hear all that language and she'll feel so left out. And my daughter, how she is, she, she really speaks her mind and she'll probably speak her mind and she'll probably come and tell us off for not teaching her. And now she doesn't bother too much about it. I ask, Rich, are we doing enough? Are we not doing enough, you know, in terms of exposing her to our culture we are exposing her to our culture gradually through our music through our meals I said to Richmond that she's developed a British palate because she doesn't really enjoy our meals apart from our chicken because she likes the way we spice our chicken so that's <laughs> not <laughs> yeah but all the other meals she's probably like eh no yeah sometimes I do feel guilty and it's quite tricky but um, I guess now we we be just going with the flow.
4: I'd just say, uh, my son and daughter will be brought up much as I was. There'll be probably very little difference in the last, you know, thirty years or whatever. I think it it'll be fine. I I, I still occasionally Mark uh, agrees that I turned out all right. So uh <laughs> that, that they'll do the same as well.
0: Well, thank you, everyone. Thank you for your time. It's been really interesting and uh, it'd be great to catch up with you again and explore another theme. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast. Until next time, remember, help people feel valued. Listen, don't just hear.